Welcome to Inside Medical Malpractice. This subject fascinates everyone everywhere because it affects everyone everywhere. My name is Chris Rokosh. I'm a registered nurse, legal consultant and educator, and the president of Connect Medical Legal Experts. Medical malpractice affects patients, families, nurses, doctors, midwives, healthcare institutions, the associations that define medical standards, lawyers, and the general public. Each month, we'll be looking at the malpractice issues from different perspectives, featuring honest, candid, insightful interviews by people and professionals with a wealth of information to share. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's dive into this fascinating subject. I'd like to welcome back Farah Ismail, a nurse and lawyer from Toronto, who recently recorded a podcast discussing the considerations for preventing medical malpractice claims in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis. If you haven't heard it, don't miss it. Please listen in. It's got great points of interest for all healthcare providers, including nurses, doctors. I think medical malpractice lawyers will find it fascinating. And there's some advice in there from members of the public. So welcome back, Farah. It's so nice to talk to you again. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, it's a pleasure for me as well. So I'm just going to ask you some questions because now that we've heard your generous sharing of all your knowledge and wisdom in the previous podcast, I'd like to learn more about you. The first thing that strikes me is your decision to go into nursing and then into law. Can you talk to us all about your decision to make that change? Sure. I get a lot of questions around this, as you can imagine, because combining the two is sort of a unique um, a unique uh, path. Um, so what I can share is that when I started my career, career in nursing uh, nearly 20 years ago, um, after completing a research-based master's program, the theme of advocacy kept reoccurring for me. So as I networked and I developed relationships with mentors internationally, I really realized that, you know, there could be a way to combine my nursing background with a career in law. This really prompted me to apply to law school. And, you know, when I endeavored to do so, I had no idea where my career would take me. But what I can say is that throughout my journey, I've always endeavored to find opportunities that connect back to healthcare or my nursing experience in some way. So don't really think that I moved from nursing into law. Instead, what I really did was able to take the two career paths and sort of blend them. That's fascinating. And thanks for pointing that out, because that's really evident, I think, when we discuss your career path and your hope for your future plans, that you're going to endeavor to find a way to combine those really two unique uh, areas of expertise. And I just want to ask you a question. This is off the side, but I've met quite a few nurses who became lawyers, and they talked about this struggle, um, kind of a personal struggle, that when people meet you as a nurse, they just automatically like you and trust you. And when they introduce themselves sometimes as a lawyer, they get different reactions based on what people's past experience has been with the law. Has that been true for you as well? You know, that's a, that's an interesting question. And I think, uh, a pretty funny stereotypical perspective on nurse, nurses and lawyers. I agree. Um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have personally experienced, um, or been up against that, but I think it has been helpful to have a career like nursing behind me because I think really the profession, 
um, engages people in a different way and really brings about trust. Um, whereas law, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a huge adversarial component to it. And just by the nature of what the profession does and what the profession engages in, it attracts different types of personalities. So I personally haven't experienced that, but I, um, I do think it's been beneficial that I have the nursing sure. uh, career and experience behind me. Sure, great. And now that you've left your executive leadership role in nursing regulation, what are your plans for the future? What do you see yourself doing in the next phase of your career? So, you know, I've had the real opportunity to take a short pause um, since leaving my former position. And I think that the pause has actually been a real blessing. Um, Not only did it align with my son's entry into junior kindergarten, but it's also been an opportunity to think broadly about how and where my skills can be used to make a meaningful and impactful difference. So in addition to continuing to grow a charity that my husband and I have co-founded called Grayson's Gratitude, I'm getting ready to start a new role with an organization in an executive consultant capacity. And I'm also working on the launch of my own consulting practice, which will be aimed at supporting clients and organizations who find themselves navigating issues where health and the law intersect. So I think my focus will really be on strategic visioning, leadership, and the development of education and um, supporting new leaders. Mm. That's good. And I can only imagine that there'll be multiple opportunities in our post-COVID world for health information, that crossover between health and business. <laughs> there'll be so much there. So you mentioned, sure. first of all, your beautiful son, Grayson, who I've seen a photo of, and your chair, your charity, Grayson's Gratitude. Um, can you talk to us a little bit more about that, the inspiration, and what can you tell us about Grayson's Gratitude? Sure. Um, I'd love to share this because it's a, it's a, um, something that is so near and dear to my heart. Um, in 2018, um, in celebration of our five-year wedding anniversary, my husband and I planned a trip to Mexico, and we were really reluctant to leave our little boy behind. So we brought him along. And um, the trip was really perfect in every single way. Um, but what occurred on our return was something we could have never imagined. So our son, Grayson, who was just about two and a half um, when this all occurred, started to experience severe vomiting and diarrhea um, when we got back to Toronto. And um, what we later found out was that he had actually contracted E. coli. And we're not sure if he actually contracted E. coli in Mexico or if he actually contracted it in Toronto. I don't think we're ever going to know that piece of it. Um, But you know, he had it, and usually something like E. coli passes, but unfortunately with Grayson, he suffered the most severe complications related to E. coli, Um, so he developed hemolytic uremic syndrome, and the impact was quite significant for him. His kidneys went into failure, and um, he had to have dialysis started so that his little body could focus on fighting the hemolytic uremic syndrome while dialysis could take over uh, regulating his kidney function. So given that experience that we had, um, my husband Chris and I pledged to share our story because we felt as though, um, you know, with my experience understanding the healthcare system and actually being a former pediatric nurse at SickKids, um, we had a lot of um, 
we had a quite a good experience and we were able to understand and navigate the system fairly easily. And we thought, you know, for people who couldn't, that our story really needed to be shared with them. And um, so, again, we agreed to have Grayson be a part of a research study at SickKids uh, related to hemolytic uremic syndrome, but we really wanted to do more. And this is when we decided to co-found Grayson's Gratitude. So it really has been established as a sentiment um, to the notion that we had. We were so grateful for Grayson's recovery and the care that he received at SickKids and really the valuable lesson that we learned about it appreciating each day to its fullest. So the purpose of our fundraising efforts are really to raise awareness and encourage appreciation for life and then also to support pediatric kidney research and our efforts directly support SickKids Hospital in Toronto, Ontario. Mm. Beautiful story. And um, I've, of course, been on the website and taken a look at your beautiful family and the beautiful sentiment behind this. And I just want to say I wish you all the best of luck. I know your fundraising efforts have been somewhat thwarted by our current conditions (laughs) of the COVID virus. You had an event planned, which had to be canceled. But I certainly wish you all the best of luck going forward. It's It's a beautiful story. I'm sorry that it happened. But it's lovely that you've made such a had such a positive outcome from it, or made such a positive move towards gratitude with it. So, thank you, thank you, Chris. It's thank really, you, really lovely, Farah. So, let me get a little bit more personal with you here. How do you hope that your work in healthcare and healthcare law might change the world for those of us that are world changers? <laughs> what are your plans? <laughs> what do you got up your sleeve? <laughs> well, um, what can I say? I think. Um, need a second. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, we can come back Sorry. to that if you want. No, that's okay. Not to worry. Um, okay. Well, no, I think I, I think I can, I can do this, but it's, it's a big question, I think, and changing the world is really a big feat. So, you know, I think ultimately my hope is that my unique lens, which I have, which combines healthcare and the law, is able to create meaningful opportunities for me to connect and support clients and organizations who find themselves sort of at a crossroad and needing assistance uh, with creating innovative ways of doing business or operationalizing plans where there may be serious risks or challenges. Mm. That's a big effort and valiant, excellent answer. So what, um, what motivates you, for instance, to get up every morning? Well, since uh, the health scare that we had with Grayson, um, our family really endeavors to wake up each morning and really live each day to its fullest. So uh, we we practice gratitude every morning, and it's a habit we've formed, which has been incredibly helpful, really, through this pandemic. And what it does is it grounds me in particular and helps remind me about how much I have to be thankful for when I start each day. So I feel that this really motivates me to focus on the opportunities that may exist, and it helps me think about the larger picture. And I feel just by doing that, I sort of open up a new world of opportunity and potential, you know, with the people I meet. I mean, you're an example of that. You and I didn't know each other a few months ago, and through this pandemic, we've really established such a lovely relationship and one that's been so meaningful to me. So, you know, I think that. Um, that practice of gratitude has really helped. Nice. 
Well, I feel it's been very meaningful, too. I feel so lucky sitting here right now talking <laughs> to you. and um, for Likewise. <laughs> for your generosity of sharing both your time and your expertise and knowledge. So thank you. What um, are the things that you fuss about in the middle of the night? Well, um, you know, as you know, we've embarked on some unprecedented times. And I think the stress of a pandemic, which might include balancing work, homeschooling for me, uh, caring, caring for elderly parents, financial worries, all of those are enough to really keep anyone awake at night. But I think more than ever, what I've tried to do is really focus on ensuring that I'm not worrying at night. So I stick to a pretty solid routine when it comes to sleep. No screens before bed, meditation, journaling, complete darkness. And oddly, I have to say, I've slept better than I ever have because of my conscious decision to make this a priority for my overall all health and well-being. So, you know, right now I'm able to sleep. And I think it's really because I've paid a lot of attention to that. Well done, you. A poster child. <laughs> a poster child for getting through the COVID virus. Well done. And just one last question for you. Um, because your your career path has taken quite a journey and now you're at a point of transition. Knowing what you know now and being where you are now, what advice would you offer your younger self? Oh, if I had known what I know now, 20 years ago, I think things would have been so, so different. Um, but you know, I like to be able to provide mentorship to people a lot. And I think um, that has been very invaluable for me. So seeking and finding strong mentorship, because I think those relationships can be so helpful in times of change or difficulty. I think um, taking risks and dreaming big. So not letting others dictate what you're capable of or let their views limit your potential. I think that's a, a big learning I've had through my career. And I think continuous learning and growth should be a part of your everyday. And, you know, I have continued to be educated and over-educated. And I think a lot of people might be critical of that, but I think it's really helped me uh, get to where I am. And then I think the last thing is really using setback as opportunity for growth. Um, I've found that every disappointment really has the potential to create even more happiness and success. So um, those are some of my, my tips and some advice I'd give. Great advice, great tips, and very, very well said. Thank you for that. So I think we'll end there. I mean, there's lots more we could talk about. Of course, there's much more I'd like to know about you, but that's some basic stuff that gives us a little bit more insight into who you are. Farah Ismail will be launching her independent consulting practice in the coming weeks. Her work, and that will be this summer and fall of 2020, her work will be focused on supporting clients who are navigating issues in that unique area where healthcare and law intersect. This might include work with strategic visioning, organizational improvements, policy and process change, risk management, leadership development. If you'd like to connect with Farah, it's Farah, F-A-R-A-H, Ismail, I-S-M-A-I-L. You could reach out to her through LinkedIn. And if you're not on LinkedIn, please feel free to contact me and I'll be sure that she gets the message. So thank you so much, Farah. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much, Chris. Thanks for having me.